0: Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in. Today, we're talking about the subject matter of flattery, how we need to beware of flattery. Now, this subject matter, no doubt, is one that has a wide spectrum of thought. I mean, you've got those people out there that would paint Jesus Christ himself as though he's a 1960s or 70s hippie walking around. Hey, peace and love, bro. How you doing? Nice to see you. That's not the Jesus that the Bible teaches us about. Or others who would have him be some, you know, modern day language of a woke liberal uh, or any of those, those types of terminology. People have their ideas of Jesus that are just so vastly incorrect, and this plays into how people think that they should be talked, or how the gospel should be taught, or how the gospel should be talked about. When we think about it, the idea of flattery, sometimes people may, may be not even aware of of the, the definition of the term. Uh, you know, when we look at terms in the English language, they have definitions. Uh, the New Oxford American Dictionary defines flattery as excessive and insincere praise. Notice this given especially to further one's own interest. Don't you think that's an interesting dictionary? I kind of feel like we've covered the subject already just by the definition. If you are anywhere near close to somebody who has an uh, understanding of what the Bible teaches, you know that that definition tells you something, doesn't it? It tells you that people that use flattery are being deceptive. It's, it, 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 when you look at uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, flattery is the act of or practice of flattering, which flattering is showing or expressing gratifying respect or admiration. The the second part of the definition, excessively or insincerely complimentary, helping to enhance attractiveness. The whole idea is that flattery is a, a form of propaganda. Somebody wants to accomplish something so they stroke your ego to get you there. Folks, all of this stuff is what we've got to be aware of. We have to understand that we live in a world where, you know, don't say anything that's going to be offensive. That just keeps you from opening your Bible. It keeps you from talking about God. It keeps you from talking about Jesus. It keeps you from sharing the good news because for the gospel to be the good news, people have to be warned about the bad. And the bad is... The wages of sin are death, Romans 6 and verse 23. The result of sin, therefore, is eternal damnation, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. So we have the good news. If you're a Christian, you've got the good news. But the world says, wait a minute, don't tell us the bad so that it can become good. What's that do to the effect of the gospel? Maybe you've heard people use phrases like, I don't have a problem with what you said, I have a problem with how you said it. The, the idea of flattery, it's just its just a growing, huge problem in the world that we live in. Maybe you've sat in a, a place where people have assembled to practice the preaching of the gospel. And you've heard a man, I've heard it many times, who will get up to speak and he'll start off talking about, you know, I just love you people. You're the greatest people on earth and, you know, so forth and so on. Your sister, so-and-so, you make the best whatever meal that was served to him at that time. And, oh, I just love you people. I just wish I could could just stay here. How many audiences do you think that that man has said those same same things to? Well, every audience is the greatest audience on earth, right? That's flattery, folks. They are trying to further their own interest. So let's turn this into a Bible study. The wisdom that comes from God is the wisdom that delivers us from those that would use flattery. Like, for example, when you look at the book of Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, it says, "...for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler to them that walk uprightly." He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness, and judgment, and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom enter into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant in thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of righteousness, to walk in the darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the frowardness, of the wicked whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman even from the stranger which flattereth with her words in chapter 7 the book of proverbs the first five verses my son keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of the heart, Say to wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswomen, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. People can be deceptive. And we need to understand that there are those that will use flattery. They will use excessive and insincere praise because they have an agenda. They're going to work hard at deceiving you. And think about that point in itself, the deceptive nature, and how people will use deception. Psalm 28.3 says, Draw me not away with the wicked, with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Proverbs 5.3 and 4, The lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. In Proverbs 26.23-28, Burning lips... And a wicked heart are like potsherd covered with silver draws. He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and he layeth up deceit with him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth stone it shall return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin there are those people when they begin to use flattery when they begin to use these words to build you up when they're speaking fair don't believe them they're buttering you up that's what they're doing they, they tried this with jesus in matthew chapter 22 15 through 22 the pharisees took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk speaking of jesus And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness. That's what we need to do, folks. We need to be like Jesus. We need to understand when people come at us with flattery, that their motives are impure, that approach is the wrong approach. So Jesus said, hey, remember hippie Jesus, right? So Jesus said, hey, bud, what's up, man? Yeah. No, he did not. No, he did not. He said, why tempt me, ye hypocrites? Just just pause here for a moment. As we go through this podcast, I'm going to give you, I don't know, several examples of Jesus teaching, maybe 10 or 11 or so examples of Jesus teaching. And I'm going to keep asking you, did Jesus use flattery? Well, let me just show you right now how that's going to go. Did Jesus use flattery? Why tempt me, you hypocrites? Why didn't Jesus say, like 70s hippie Jesus that people want to portray or or woke Jesus that people want to portray. Hello, fellas. Let's sit down and have a conversation. I'm not sure that you're coming at me in the right way. Maybe we should call. No, 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 no. This is what he said. Why tempt me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny. And he said them, whose image and superscription. They said unto him, Caesars. Then said he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God. When they heard these ways, they marveled and left him and went their way. How Jesus silenced them. Not by flattery, not by stroking their ego, but by being very direct, ye hypocrites. Hmm. God teaches his people not to be overly trusting. In Proverbs 14 and verse 15, the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man look, looketh well to his going. That's, that's, that's wisdom there. Don't believe everything. Naive people believe everything. In Colossians 2, 4-8, through this I say, lest any man shall beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Beware. Don't be beguiled by enticing words. Be aware, right? Believe not every spirit, 1 John 4, 1. But try them, whether they be of God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Don't believe everything. Test it. Ephesians 5 and verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Verse 11 says, and have no fellowship with them works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And if you back up in the context, verse 6 says, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things come the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Folks, hear it. Test it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Test it. Ask yourself, why is this person praising me instead of just telling me the truth? You know, the, the problem is there are these people out there and, and it's more than, than you can imagine. And, and I know this from vast years of experience in the, the realm of this subject matter there are people out there that if they had to have life-saving surgery and two surgeons walked into the room and the first guy walks in and he says, oh, how you doing? We'll just say this lady is Mrs. Jones. How you doing, Mrs. Jones? Well, you're in for surgery today. And let's say this woman has to pick these two surgeons, right? First guy comes in and he says, well, let's look at your chart and let's see what's wrong with you. And then he runs through some medical mumble jumble. Then he sits down on the bed and he puts his hand uh, on her hand. And he says, listen, you're in good hands with me. Oh, wait, this picture over here, is that your children or grandchildren? Oh, they're my grandchildren. I'm way too old to have, you know, children that young. Oh, you don't look that old to me. You look young. You're not that old. And you know what? You look great. Here, here Mrs. Jones is a, a, a very unhealthy person and needs this surgery really bad, or she's going to die at any moment in time. And he says to her, you know, what you've got going on here, it's, it's, it's not that big of a problem. We should operate by all means. And he talks to her for like 30 minutes. And he praises her and praises her and praises her. And he leaves the room and then comes in this other surgeon. And we'll, we'll make this surgeon a female. And this surgeon looks at her and looks at the charts. And says, Mrs. Jones, you need surgery immediately. You could die at any moment. This thing going on with you, it could burst at any time. You need this surgery immediately. Listen, the surgery is dangerous. The survival rate is this percentage and it's... Just throw out some numbers. But of a certainty, you will die if you do not have this surgery. I can have the OR prep for you in 10 minutes uh, if you let me know now. But if you wait, I have other patients and it's going to be those that that get into that emergency room first. Uh, Let me know here in a few minutes through your nurse. You can talk to your loved one, so forth, so on. And I'll see you then. As in the room for five minutes or less, You know what a lot of Mrs. Jones do? I don't like her. I don't like her. Well, let me tell you the background information. The guy that was awesome and had the bedside manner, 35% of his surgeries end in death. But the woman who had absolutely no bedside manners, 5% of her surgeries end in death. You know what Mrs. Jones is still going to do likely? Likely. The guy that talked about her grandchildren and praised her and buttered her up. And you know what? That's the world we live in. It's not right. It's not right, folks. People aren't interested in truth and facts and dealing with what will save them. They're interested in bedside manner. How shameful. Shameful. We are taught that when we test things, and if somebody's teaching something that's not right or saying something that's not right, to withdraw ourselves, not to draw nearer. In 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions, strife of words, wherefore cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness. Notice, from such withdraw thyself. Don't throw yourself at people that use flattery and aren't telling you the truth. Withdraw yourself from them. You see, the wisdom of God is the opposite of the wisdom of the world. Read the first three chapters in the letter to the church in Corinth. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. You perish by going along with the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says... Go after the flattering guy. Forget about the person who just comes and tells you the truth very directly. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 29:5? A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. That is fact, folks. If you disagree with, 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 with anything I'm saying in this podcast in regard to flattery, you're disagreeing with the Scriptures. My view is Proverbs 29.5 and the other scriptures I've presented. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for, for his feet. Person using flattery does not have good intentions. He's like the proverbial teenage boy with a back seat in a car trying to get this girl's clothes off. He's telling her what she wants to hear so that he can get to the prize. Come on, people. Flattery is not a tool that's used by those who are seeking to do good. In Psalm 5, 8, and 9, psalmist says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Look at the way the psalmist approaches. An inspired man of God led by the Holy Spirit. There is no faithfulness in their mouth. Why? Because they use flattery. Ruin comes from flattery. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. It's to be steered away from. Proverbs 20, verse 19. He that goeth about as a talebearer reveal the secrets. Therefore meddle not with them that flattereth with his lips. If it's not clear already... Look at the end of those that use flattery. In Psalm the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 3, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. If you think flattery is good, have you listened to these scriptures? Don't be Mrs. Jones who wants to have the smooth talker killer on the operating table. Be the one that tests, proves, and doesn't care about bedside matters. Tell me the facts. Tell me what's going to save me. Don't spend three months beating around the bush when I've only got three hours to live. Folks, The Apostle Paul and Timothy and Silvanus to the church in Thessalonica, the saints in Thessalonica, wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 5. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before we were shamefully entreated. As you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention, for our exhortation was not of deceit nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men. But God with tryeth our hearts, notice, for neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Never, never, ever, ever would they use flattering words? What's that tell you? about the man who has what he calls the gospel truth and he comes to you using flattery. I knew a preacher one time and he boasted to me. His name was Paul, but he wasn't an apostle. He boasted to me that he could have a conversation with anybody, even a false teacher. And he named several. And he said, I could sit right across the table at him. And he said, I could talk to them because I approached them gently and kindly. And what he was doing is he was telling me how my approach was all wrong. And I said, well, that's not how Jesus worked. That's not how Paul worked. And I watched him operate in that conversation with me. You know how he started off? Brother, you've got a great amount of knowledge and you have a very good ability to teach everything is great. And, and you know, you blah, 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 blah. I mean like five, 10 minutes sitting at a table with me, just buttery, 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 buttery. I cut him off. I said, get to your point, (laughs) get to your point. I I knew from his flattering speech that he was setting me up for some form of correction, but he went around a, a sinful way. I wanna to talk to you about Jesus. I wanna to talk to you about Jesus. Forget about my experiences. Let's talk about Jesus. In 1 Peter 2 21 through 23, it says, To saints that are scattered, we're studying 1 Peter on Sundays, pick up that podcast. He says, Peter writes, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judges righteously who is an example to be followed he's not the only example to be followed but one and should be our chief example jesus christ right that's what you just read he left us an example to follow in his steps first john Chapter 2, talking about Jesus, verses 1 and 2, verses 3 and 6 says this, 3 through 6. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. Hereby we do know that we know Him. Again, contextually, Jesus. If we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. But whoso keepeth this word, in Him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. Notice this. He that saith, He abideth in Him, ought Himself also to walk, even as He walked. Our behavior... Needs to be like Jesus. And Jesus' goal when he came into this world and thereafter, Matthew 18, 11, the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Luke 9:56, the Son of Man is come not to destroy men's lives, but to save them, and they went to another village. Paul wrote about Jesus First 1 Timothy 1:15. 1, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all exception, that Jesus that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Now, with the goal of saving souls let's look at some examples of jesus let's ask ourselves in each of these examples how flattering jesus was what you will actually see is that he said very direct things that if a man today used these terms people would call offensive i know i've experienced it countless times But rather than listen to men who want the woke Jesus or the hippie Jesus or the preacher today that has bedside manners, let's consider the examples of Jesus. And, you know, I'm just going to read them. I'm just going to read. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm going to read them. And I want you to listen carefully. Open your Bible up. Take some notes. If you're listening to this while you're traveling and you've got some questions, come back in the podcast. This is about the 24 minute, 20-second mark of the podcast that I'm going to start this. So somewhere around 24, 25 minutes, you can come back later and you can listen, okay? Listen to these things. In Matthew 8, 23 through 27, when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Well, the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Matthew 15 1 through 14. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash, not, they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said to them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honoreth not his father and mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude, and said to them, Hear and understand." Not that which goeth in the mouth defiles the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, that's this defile the man. Then it came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted should be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and the blind lead the blind both shall fall into the ditch. Matthew sixteen, one through twelve. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. In the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, Ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye, but can ye not discern the signs of the time? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples were came to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have taken no bread, which, when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000, how many baskets you took up. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many baskets you took up. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not concerning the bread that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then understood how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 36. Matthew 23, 1 through 36. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feast, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi, be not called Rabbi. For one is your Master, even Christ, and all your brethren. Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father who is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves... "'Neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. "'Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! "'For ye devour widows' houses, "'and for a pretense make long prayer. "'Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. "'Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! "'For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte. "'And when he is made, you make him twofold more "'the child of hell than yourselves.'" Woe unto you, ye blind gods, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is debtor. Ye fools am blind. For whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever swear by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools am blind. For whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctified the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done and not leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at an at and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they're full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup, "'and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. "'Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! "'We are like unto whited sepulchres, "'which indeed appear beautiful outward, "'but are within full of dead men's bones "'and of all uncleanness. "'Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, "'but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. "'Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites!' "'Because you build the temples of the prophets "'and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, "'and say, if we have been in the days of our fathers, "'we would not have been partakers with with them "'in the blood of the prophets. "'Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves, "'that ye are the children of them "'which killed the prophets. "'Fill ye up the measure of your fathers, "'ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. "'How can ye escape the damnation of hell?' Wherefore, behold, I send to you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of them you shall kill and crucify, some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon earth for the blood of the righteous Abel under the blood of Zacharias, son of Barcaris, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. He entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that might accuse him. And he said unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth, and he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? But they held their peace, and when he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of the heart, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him. How they might destroy him. Same chapter, Mark 3, 31 through 35. There came his brethren and his mother, standing without sending him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said to him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Mark 8, 31 through 38. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected the elders of the chief priests, scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Luke 9, 57-62. It came to pass... And as they went a certain way, man said to him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. He said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bear their dead. Go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And also another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my house. And Jesus said to him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of god luke chapter 11 37 through 52 luke chapter 11 37 through 52 he spake as he spake a certain pharisee besought him to dine with him and he went in and sat down to meet and when the pharisee saw it he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner and the Lord said to him, now do you Pharisees make clean the outside the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness? Ye fools, did not he which made which is without make that which within also? But rather give alms of such things ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and root and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ye ought to have done and not leave the other undone." Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings of the market. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not, and men walk over them and not aware of them. Then answered one of the lawyers and said unto him, Master, thus saying thou reproaches us also. And he said, Woe unto you also, ye lawyers." For ye laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for ye build sepulchers of the prophets, and the fathers killed them. Truly ye bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them. Ye build their sepulchers. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which were shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation." For the blood of Abel and the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar of the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. enter not in yourselves, and them that entering ye hindered. Luke 13, 10 through 35. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, Behold, there had a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her unto him and said in her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day And said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work, and them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth thou not teach one of you on the Sabbath, loose his ox ox or his ass from the stall, and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Then said he, Under what is the kingdom of God like? And under what shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. And he said to them, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leaven. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one in him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and as shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. He shall answer and say unto you, I know not, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out, and they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox... Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cure today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow, (coughs) excuse me, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem! Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How oft will I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I unto you. You shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. 13 through 27. Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emus, which was from Jerusalem about three score four longs. I'll give you a little background here. This is Jesus has been risen from the dead, and these are disciples, okay? That's the context. Back to just reading. They talked together of all the things which happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Behold, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said to them, "What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, "Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast thou not known the things which are come to pass in these days?" And he said to them, "What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that had been him which should have redeemed Israel. And beside this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they come saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it as even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded on them in the scriptures all things concerning himself. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. John chapter 2. 13 through 17. The Jews' Passover is at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, found them in the temple, those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. When he had made a scourge of small cords, that's a whip, he drove them all out of the temple, the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables Said to them that sold up, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. John 3, beginning at verse 1 through 10. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, saying to him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, and know that no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered, him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said he must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst thou tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is every one that is born in the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Art not thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? John chapter 6, 22 through 27. Give you a little background. "...the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw there was none other boat there, save the one wherein to his disciples was entered, and Jesus went not with his disciples in the boat, but his disciples were gone away. Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, the place where they did eat bread, and the Lord had given thanks. When the people thereof saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus." And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they sent a rabbi, When comest thou? Jesus answered them, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the loaves and were filled. Labour not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Down in the same chapter six of John, chapter chapter six verse sixty, after Jesus says a lot of things that I'll I'll not read. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this saying, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself the disciples murmured at it. He said to them, "Doth this offend you? What, nephew, shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth; the flesh profiteth not. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are our life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believe not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given to him of my Father. From that time." Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. There's a number, like 12, 13 examples I gave you, something like that there. I want you to think about what you just read. No flattery, right? To his disciples in Matthew 8 that we read, when he called them, O ye of little faith, in Matthew 8, 23 through 27. He said that to people who forsook all that they had and followed him. He called them, O ye of little faith. In Matthew 15, when the Pharisees came to him about the transgression of, 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 of the tradition of the elders. His disciples didn't wash their hands. He chastised them about how they treated their parents, told them they made the commandment of God in effect by their tradition, called them hypocrites, said that they paid lip service, but that they did not obey God. His disciples, These disciples said they were offended at this saying. He said, let them alone. They be blind, leaders of the blind. No apologies. No, oh, I didn't mean to offend them. In Matthew 16, multiple examples you read in verses 1 through 12, where the Pharisees and the Sadducees came unto him seeking a sign from heaven. Jesus called them hypocrites. And then he indicted, as he did in other contexts we read, the whole generation of people. Like he later indicted the whole generation of people in Jerusalem. In Matthew 23, are you kidding me? How many insulting things did he say unto them, unto a multitude of people? Very offensive things about their quote-unquote religious leaders, right? Called them hypocrites. They shut up the kingdom of heaven against themselves. They they were fake. They, They were people who did things outwardly, but inwardly full of dead man's bones like whited sepulchers. Called them blind guides fools, called them fools. And Mark three, the peacemaking hippie Jesus, right? He saw that they were going to be angry in verses one through, saw that they would, were watching him to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Instead of him being discreet and not causing a, a ruckus in front of them, he looked around on them with anger. Remember he was angry. And what did he do? He healed the man knowing it was going to cause a problem. What was the end result? They wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. Jesus, who taught, honor thy mother and thy father. His mother and his brethren come unto them. And his response, when that's pointed out, is the same are you who do the will of my father. Peter, who gave up everything, Luke 5, 1 through 11, followed Jesus, did not want Jesus to suffer. Peter rebuked Jesus. He wasn't going to let him die. What did Jesus call him? Satan. I can think of a lot of words that are offensive. How about that one? Three people that want to follow Jesus in Luke 9, 57 through 62. What's he do? Point out, nah, you're not committed. No, no, and no. We read Luke 11, 37 through 52. He was was invited to a man's home for a meal. He accepted the invitation. When he sat at the table and didn't wash his hands, the Pharisee marveled. He he didn't come out and tell Jesus, here man, here's an antibacterial wipe. Not as though they had them, right? Just because he marveled, Jesus calls him fool, chastises him, corrects him. Then the lawyers were offended at the sayings of Jesus. And what's Jesus do? He apologizes, right? No, he just goes right into them too. Folks, is this the Jesus that you hear being represented by all these people out in the world that paint him a certain kind of way? It's not, is it? It's not. When Jesus heals again on the Sabbath in Luke 13... Then he goes on to teach that few are going to be saved. Whew. Calls King Herod a fox, insults a leader. Oh, in Luke 24, again, chastises his disciples, fools, slow to believe. When he went into the temple, he made a whip. He went in physically, removed people from the temple, overthrew their money tables. This would get you arrested today. Could you imagine walking into a quote-unquote church building and overthrowing the tables where people are selling things? What would happen? And and if you went in with a weapon, man, you'd be in prison. You'd be called a terrorist. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Jesus. People followed Jesus. They got on boats to follow him. He told them that they weren't following him for the right reasons, to labor not for the meat. Goes on to point out how he's the bread of life and offends the daylights out of these people so that many of his disciples walk no more with him. Now I beg to ask you, how in the world could you think that flattery is the way you ought to teach the gospel. When the source of the gospel did the exact opposite, he was the surgeon who did not bother to waste any time sitting on the bed and having bedside manner. i gonna tell you what people do. They virtue signal. That's what that is. You think somebody cares more about lost souls than Jesus? Not a one of us have ever gone to the cross to die for the sins of mankind. Jesus did not beat around the bush. I want to get you to think before we wrap up here. I want to get you to think. I'm going to challenge you. If you're one of the folks out there that think, you know what, you ought to buy somebody dinner before you tell them they're lost, or that you ought to butter them up, or that you ought to compliment, I got to challenge you here. I want you to think about the scriptures. In Proverbs 28, 23, it says, He that rebuketh a man afterward shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. That's Bible, folks. Now, I'm going to challenge you. Do you believe that Jesus can come at any moment? I mean, do you really believe it? 2 Peter 3 and verse 10 says, The day of the Lord will come as the thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent, The earth also and the works therein shall be burned up. Verse 11, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you act like it? When somebody's lost, how long do you tell them? How long do you take to tell them that? If they don't realize that they've got bad news, how are they going to appreciate the good news? Bad news Mrs. Jones, this is going to kill you today if you don't get surgery. Good news I'm a surgeon, I can take you into the room. And you will survive. If you do believe that Jesus can come at any moment, how can you possibly believe that an indirect approach to teaching somebody that's lost is the right approach? In Titus chapter 1, to an evangelist, Peter, not Peter, I'm sorry, Paul writes in verses 10 through 14, Titus 1 10 through 14, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially there of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped. Who subvert whole houses, teaching things which are not for filthy lucre's sake? One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply. What's that sound like? Get thee behind me, Satan. What's that sound like? Oh, ye fools. What's that sound like? Ye hypocrites, right? Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound of faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. What's that sound like? And you think you're a teacher in Israel? Jesus the Nicodemus, right? That's what that sounds like. Do we believe that Jesus is coming back? In Mark 13, 32 through 37, of that day and hour, knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. And to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house come in at even, or at midnight, or at cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what's I say unto you? I say unto all, watch. Or do you think you got time? You think you got time? James four thirteen through 16. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow. We'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice and you're boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Folks, you don't beat around the bush when you believe that Jesus can come at any moment. You just don't. You get to the point. Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. A few verses later, verses 5 and 6, Proverbs 27, Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kiss of an enemy are deceitful. Galatians 2, 14, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of the Gentiles, not as the Jews, why compelest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? What did... What did Paul do to Peter? He rebuked him before all. What did Jesus say to the church in Laodicea? In Revelation three nineteen As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. For preachers, think about what Paul said to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4, 1-5, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead as appearing in his kingdom? Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers, having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the vengeance, make foolproof of thy ministry. Did you hear that? Reprove rebuke, exhort, like I was taught and correctly so. That's two-thirds negative, one-third positive. Get to it, folks. Jesus is going to return. And it might be before that person dies, before the surgery. Even the person has three hours to give, there's a more urgent need, and that's speaking to the soul. The soul that is lost needs to be saved. And that is not a tomorrow issue. That is not a beat around the bush issue. That is not preparing them to hear the truth issue. That's telling the truth. You're lost. You need to be saved. Here it is. If you're the type of person that uses flattery, you are lost. You are going contrary to every scripture I've presented to you in this podcast. Repent. Or perish, Luke 13, 1 through 5. If you're not a Christian, you're lost. Don't wait till tomorrow. Get in touch with me. Let's talk about how you can obey the gospel and be saved today. Folks, in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. That word plainness means all outspokenness, frankness, bluntness. That is the way God wants His will communicated to man. Bluntly, frankly, because it is the good news and it ought not be wasted by you diluting it with your garbage where you're complimenting people literally to death. You've heard that saying, you know, we can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. We're not catching flies, people, it's about saving souls. You want to catch flies? Go catch flies. You'll perish. You want to save souls? Tell them they're lost in how to be saved. Do it in terms that they understand. Well, you could have made a better decision. You know what that implies? That the decision they made isn't necessarily wrong. And there are cases where that can be true. There are times where we can make better decisions. Hey, I put on a shirt, showed a fat roll. I could have made a better decision. I could have wore a larger one. Wasn't sinful in any case. When it comes down to decisions pertaining to the soul, there's right and wrong. There's righteousness and unrighteousness. There's committing sin and being of the devil, or living righteously and being of God. 1 John 2 29 through three, 3 10. Let's not beat around bushes. Not beat around bushes at all. Let's tell people the truth. And if you're that person that wants the bedside manner, it's time for you to look to the great physician, Jesus Christ, who will call you a fool when you're a fool, but will embrace you when you become one of his own. That's love. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase them. Remember that. Remember that. Don't get offended when somebody tells you something you need to hear. Love them for it. That's an act of love. I'm glad you're listening to this podcast. If you got some questions on this or other matters, call me up. 915-525-5794. You can visit the website, wordsoftruth.net. I want to remind you, almost forgot, this Thursday, this Thursday, special podcast, Brandon Sledge joined me and we talked about the idea that people think that sin is okay, that it's the norm. That's going to be this Thursday. It'll drop on uh, all the sites you're accustomed to listen to the podcast on. I uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. If all goes according to plan, the world continues. I will plan on another one for Sunday where we'll be coming back to First Peter. Thank you for listening. Until then, I will say goodbye.